Know the Source on One Radio Network. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. It is the last uh, Wednesday of the month, and it's Richard Mayberry time. This is Pat- Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network. Richard Mayberry is a good man. He is a, he publishes the U.S. and early and world early warning report that we uh, promote here on our front page, as you've seen. And uh, he was formerly the global affairs editor of Money World, very respected business and economic. Uh, um, he's a very respected economic an- uh, analysis guy in America. He's uh, he's written articles all over the place, all over the world, and he's got a whole series of books that are quite popular uh, called the Uncle Eric series, Blue Stocking Press. Uh, many of the homeschoolers are, are quite enamored with them. Kids are just great. We mention them from time to time, and uh, we'll tell you more about them as we go. And we have a special on one radio network for Richard Mayberry's early warning report um, on our front page, and we'll tell you more about that. He's in California, where all the crazies are, but he manages to stay sane. I don't know how you do that out there, sir, out there on the left coast, but you do. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) uh, what evidence do you have that I'm being successful? (laughs) Well, because, I mean, you're actually kind of intelligent when I talk to you, and you actually say things that, you know, that... You know that have some substance to it, so you're doing something right. Maybe it's yeah, what you're thanks. eating. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe what you're eating. Well, uh, Patrick, I, w- I want to say before we go further, <laughs> I, I sure am glad that you are there. Um, oh, it, wow. it is it's so good to have somebody who doesn't toe the line of the mainstream socialist news media. You give people uh, the other side of the story. Uh, the you know to help them understand the system of liberty, hmm. uh, which is, is being wiped out by socialism and uh, all the things that attend it, including all the poverty. Um, wow. And uh, I, uh, I really appreciate you being there. It's, well, it's great to have an alternate viewpoint. It's Thank an you. honor to, for you to come on, because I've been such a fan for so, so many years. Mm. So do you think these socialite commie guys are going to, Take us over, and what's what do we got? What's gonna what's going on? Hmm. Um, well, I think uh, they already have taken over, uh, and they did that by taking over the school systems. Right. Uh, back, uh, you know, we we talked about this before. Back in the early part of the 20th century, socialism was the hot new philosophy, and the socialists figure out that um, they don't they didn't have to make a frontal assault on the system of liberty. They could. Um, you know, go around, uh, make an end run on it by um, taking control of the schools and colleges, which is pretty much what they did. It it really worked out well for them, and um, it's you know the schools and the colleges now are just saturated mm. with socialist messages. You know, uh, they're they're usually kind of covert. Uh, they're not you know the the children are not taught. Now we're going to teach you. Socialism. You're not. That's not revealed to the kids or the parents. Right. But that's underlying. It runs through the lessons, uh, and um, it, it's had an enormous effect. Yeah. I, what I always like to point out to people is, you know, why does the First Amendment to the Constitution include freedom of speech and freedom of the press? And the answer is because we don't want the government brainwashing us. We want a free press out there. 
and so that people can get uh, fresh ideas and think for themselves, uh, which doesn't happen in countries where the government controls the press. And the socialists in America were brilliant. They just did an end run around that by saying, fine, we'll keep the free press and free speech, but we will control the minds of the children. And uh, they did. They took over the schools. And what people forget is that kids can vote at age 18. So they come straight out of these uh, mass production schools, and they are socialists, and they're, they're at the ballot box immediately without ever being, uh, having any real-life experience to show them that uh, that system doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. And the universities, or as you know, there's just so many challenges going on. Uh, I know a dear friend of mine has one in, in the school, and um, she doesn't want to get the vaccine. She believes it's her choice not to, mm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, But they said no. You, she did a religious exemption letter, and they said no. no. So she's just going to quit. I mean, she's just going to quit. Wow. Well, yeah. 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 Amazing. I mean, yeah. it doesn't the Fourth Amendment... Uh, don't we have the, the security in our persons and property when you uh-huh. talk about these vaccines, right? We do, yeah. don't we? Yeah, right. I, I, you know, I never know. I can never remember which one of the, <laughs> one of the Bill of Rights applies, you uh-huh. know, but the Bill of Rights somewhere in there, it also says, you know, you, you can't be punished unless you've been found guilty <laughs> in a court of law. And um, all of these people out here who are wanting to think for themselves and who uh, do not trust the vaccines, uh, which means do not trust the government bureaucracy sure. that wants them to get the vaccine. Um, you know, they're being punished in various ways. It's, this is insane. I mean, it really, I'm actually working on an article right now for the December issue of Early Warning Report that the COVID is a follow-up, uh, or I should say the COVID restrictions are a follow-up to what uh, Franklin Roosevelt was trying to do to the Constitution in the 1930s and 40s. He was doing everything he could to undermine it and uh, was very largely successful. And now these COVID restrictions are a follow-up to that. And, And the American system of liberty is just being demolished. What did he do to, to fulfill that kind of mission? What, was, what kind of things did he do? Well, he made, uh, his first attempt was in the mid-30s. Um, people were terrified of, of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And um, he started enacting what is today called the New Deal. Ah, the New and, Deal. And it was essentially a socialist scheme to take over the whole economy, to control pretty much everything in everybody's working life, your your wages and, and everything else, and, <clears throat> you know, under government control. Uh, and what happened then is, is, very fortunately, the Supreme Court did its job, and uh, it, it uh, threw out eight attempts by, by Roosevelt to undermine the Constitution. And um, he then uh, went on to try to pack the court. Uh, the, the Supreme Court has nine justices in it, 
and he wanted to put five socialists on the Supreme Court wow. on top of the other nine. Really? Wow. Yeah. And um, the, fortunately, Americans in those days pretty much had a, a good understanding of the Constitution and the system of liberty. And there was a general uh, reaction to that all across the country. And he saw his popularity go way down, so he dropped out of, of that attempt and, and was not successful at packing the court hmm. with socialists. Hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> now we're hearing that again, right? Now. Yeah, well, then there was a second attempt that he made. Oh, he tried it again. Yeah, along came World War II, and um, he, um, uh, I think, I hope everybody knows, that he um, just uh, um, issued, uh, what was it, Executive Order 9066, Hmm. which said that all persons of Japanese ancestry, whether they're guilty or not of anything, would be locked up. Really? No trial, no nothing. They just, soldiers came to their homes and just hauled them away and put them in prison camps uh, throughout the the United States. Most of them were in the West. Um, And, uh, you know, these camps, most of them were in very harsh locations, and they were prison camps. There There was barbed wire. There were guards with guns and so forth. These people had not done anything. Not one of them. 120,000 in the continental United States were locked up in prison camps for years, and not one of them was ever found guilty of trying to do anything against the U.S. So, you know, I mean, that just trampled all over the whole Constitution mm. doing that. And um, an interesting point about it is that there were more Japanese Americans in Hawaii, which had actually been attacked by the Japanese Navy, than uh, the the ones living on the mainland. And the ones in Hawaii, except for about 4,000 of the leaders, they were just, uh, you know, they were let go. There was no prison camps uh, for them. 156,000 Japanese in Hawaii, which was actually imperiled by the Japanese Navy, Navy, they were allowed to roam free, and, and you know they were they were uh, not uh, harmed in any way. And so you have to ask yourself: Well, if you know Hawaii was in a lot more danger, and they were allowed to roam free, why were the ones on the mainland suddenly so dangerous? And of course, it didn't have anything to do with what those people were doing. It was Roosevelt setting a precedent for locking up innocent American citizens without a trial. Wow. That's, to me, and that happened, what, what was it, 75, 100, a long time ago. Yeah, it was uh, 42. Yeah, 1942, wow. Yeah, right, mm. yeah. Yeah, some of those people were locked up three years, um, and, and they'd never done anything to anybody. And, you know, some of the uh, highly socialist countries now, like Australia and the U.K. and and and, and Canada, you know, Richard, maybe they're, they're really talking about separating the unvaxxed and the vaxxed people, right? Uh-huh. They yep. really are. And they're, you know, the unvaxxed people, you're just not going to be able to have as many freedoms as the other guys. Yep. That's yep. really strange, isn't it? I it, mean, it really, especially when you realize... Very scary. That, yeah. Uh, another point I'm making in, in the December newsletter is that um, the, when you understand 
all of this stuff about how dangerous COVID is and all, which it is. I mean, it does kill people. Lots of things kill people. COVID is one of them. All of this about it being a pandemic and that, you know, it's going to wipe out huge numbers of people. Nobody knows if that's true or not, because all of the statistics that are used to justify those conclusions are government statistics that are tainted by politics. Um, I've been studying economics for about a half century, and I can tell you, anybody, anybody who believes a government statistic is a fool. Yeah, it just uh, is, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we've got no reliable information about how bad this disease is. And, in fact, it has been found that uh, the precautions that everybody takes with the masks and the six-foot physical distancing and all of that have been so effective at eliminating disease that probably, and this is an outrageous thing to think of, but it's probably true, COVID is a net benefit. More people have been saved by these precautions from other diseases like influenza and so forth. More people have been saved than have died from COVID. Well, yeah. So, you, you, know, um, you know, how dangerous is this stuff if that's the case, if it's actually a net benefit? It's saving more lives than it's taking. And yet we're all stampeded into being terrified of it, and we think that we need to give up our freedoms in order to, to stop this terrible scourge that's not that terrible. No, it's just not. And as you know, the CD, all the numbers, it they just don't they just don't work, Richard Mayberry, as far yeah. as the, the extra people that you know supposedly have died when you look year to year. It just doesn't work. You know, they wiped out all the flu cases of this yeah. year. They're just, they're not there. So that's right. Oh, you know what what happened to the flu? Okay, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. you know. So yeah. wow, man. Tell you what, uh, Richard Mayberry is with us, Patrick Timpone. If you'd like to join us, uh, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. And uh, also, uh, well, he's on the 800 number, so we can't do that. Um, I, I guess I guess the big deal we really need to think about, and I'm looking at your uh, October-November newsletter this morning, was the amount of money that the federal, that the central banks have been creating. And this is really the reason why um, prices are rising, right? That's right. At the bottom, at the bottom. Oh, one thing before I say that, I think you really missed something here, and I, I, have, to, I have to give you a hard time for this because you okay. didn't tell us to invest in toilet paper six months ago. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. I'm you sorry. missed that one. You just didn't. You, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Well, I did. I think I did say household necessities. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... You know, they're already shorting, shorting toilet paper at the store. Yeah. Have you seen that? They're already saying, oh, you can only do one of those. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, man. So, so the, the money thing, I mean, mm-hmm. and now the, they're going to probably pass Richard Mayberry one of these big bills, aren't they? Uh, the $3.5 trillion or one of the, who knows, aren't they? Yeah, almost certainly. Uh-huh. Um, there's a, a economic theory that popped up, I don't know when it was, like uh uh, eight years ago, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called modern monetary theory. Mm-hmm. It's an offshoot of what's called Keynesianism. Keynesianism, yeah. Right, which is the 
economics that's taught in all the colleges, um, <laughs> not all the colleges, but almost all of them. Uh, and what you know, the bottom line on Keynesianism is the bottom line on socialism, which is no matter what problem you have, the solution <laughs> is more government. Yeah, and, just more money, and we'll, we're going to fix it, right? Yeah, right. It. Yeah, it's it's just, and and so you know, what modern monetary theory says is that you can print, uh, you can create as many dollars out of thin air that you want to. Mm-hmm. You can be a counterfeiter. The government can be a counterfeiter and just you know pump out mountains of new money and it won't have any effect on anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why these people are passing these trillion dollar spending packages because they've adopted this philosophy of modern monetary theory and they think they're not really going to have to pay for anything. They can just print money. Well, when you print money, it, you know, money responds to the law of supply and demand, just like everything else does. So when the amount of money goes up, the value of each individual unit of money goes down, and it takes more money to buy whatever it is you need to buy, and that's inflation. You inflate the money supply, and the value goes down, and prices rise. That's what it does. And that's what's going on, and it's and it started now. It's obviously started. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and it's probably going to get way, way worse. Did, did did John Maynard, you know John Maynard Keynes, Keynesian guy, did he uh, conjecture that the idea was you could print this money, but as long as you had gross domestic product productivity equal, he argued then everything would be great, right? Yeah, but that right. that's is that. I guess in theory, on paper, that works, no? Well, it depends on what theory you've got. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, um, uh, it's interesting to understand that um, economics is the most prestigious of all of the social sciences hmm. um, because it uses a lot of math, and it, has, it resembles physics. And so, uh, and the fact they use uh, some engineering uh, calculations mm-hmm in Keynesian economics. Um, and um, the assumption is that humans are machines and you can adjust them and fine-tune them, speed them up or slow them down. <laughs> you, use the, you hear those terminologies used uh, in regards to the economy. The economy isn't people, it's just a big machine. Well, sorry about that, but it is people. And, um, you know, the whole... The whole point of Keynesianism is that the government should have enormous power to print unlimited amounts of money. Um, do I need to go further now? I, don't no, no. <laughs> I think I drifted away from the point, but I'm not sure. No, that's <laughs> right. You know, we do a lot of drifting around here, Richard May. Right? Yeah. Okay. Early Winery Report is the name, and I'm reading your October-November guy. And, and uh, does it look like the velocity of money? You've been, uh, mm. You have a little chart every month. Does, have you moved yep. that up a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm about to in December. I'll show a substantial increase. The really important thing to Americans is that um, you know velocity goes through th- three stages. In the first stage, um, people are they don't understand that the government is debasing the currency, and so they they're hanging on to their dollars, expecting prices to fall back. So hmm. um, the prices do not rise as fast as the increase in the money supply does, because people aren't spending it. 
in the second phase, phase in stage two, they've, they've caught on and they realize their money's going to continue losing value and they start spending like crazy. So money uh, circulates much faster mm-hmm. and that has the same effect as an increase in the money supply. So this begins to feed on itself in stage two. And you have much more quickly rising prices, and people are getting more and more scared of holding the money. They're spending it faster. That extra demand increases prices more, and so hard. And then at you know the third stage, they get so scared of the money, they're just willing to trade it for anything at any price just to get rid of it fast before it becomes worthless, and then it does become worthless. They reject it altogether. They don't. They won't accept it anymore for anything. So we are. I'm. I think solidly into stage two now. Um, if you look at reports from big corporations like uh, Johnson and Johnson and uh, uh, Procter and Gamble, um, they're saying that the consumers are are not reacting badly to the the price increases that there's no resistance anymore mm. like there was and they're essentially in a position where they can cover their rising costs by raising prices and the consumers are still buying that's a really clear sign we're in stage two uh so um you know this mm-hmm. is a critical situation here because you go very far into stage two, and then it's like stage three is just around the corner. Yeah, wow. Then uh, Katie barred the door, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. boy, the and I'm hearing people uh, all around the country from uh, on our emails of empty shelves already. Yeah, not even winter, and also rising food prices. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. Yeah, you know, meat and milk and all the all the good stuff that people buy. Yeah. Brett, everything. Yeah. Uh, Some advice that I give people uh, is uh, be prepared. You know, Mm. stock up on all your necessities and and, uh, keep an eye on mobs uh, because what this usually leads to is um, uh, a lot of really angry people who come out and riot. Uh, after they realize that their their uh, incomes are in no way keeping up with price increases. Now, they don't understand that it's the government that's doing it to them by undermining the currency. They don't know anything about economics. They're just mad, and they go out and mm-hmm. they riot. So make sure that you are taking security precautions and you're keeping an eye on what's going on in your local area and how people are feeling. And uh, usually, inflations like this are accompanied by a huge uh, boost in crime. Uh, among other things, people, you know, they they got to buy food, so they they have to go out and steal. And uh, you know, that's one of the things that happens. So, you know, we're I don't think we're very far from from that kind of a situation now. The Fed is admitting that. They don't know what to do. I, you know, I, know. I mean, these are the guys that are doing it, and they're admitting they don't know how to handle the mess that they've made. So, uh, and don't again, you love? And don't you love the way they they say it's a temporary inflation, and they say no, well, maybe not. It might be more, and then then it's temporary, and then I, it, they just make it up as they go. Richard, maybe they just yeah. they just make it up. Yeah. Wow. 
it's it's actually you know the way COVID is being handled is very similar same, to same, federal reserve policy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. they don't know what they're oh, doing. Oh, Fauci, man, this poor guy—they should just put him in a home somewhere. You know, let him watch yeah. Jeopardy. You know, with Joe, yeah. because uh, <laughs> yeah. poor guy—he doesn't have he doesn't have a clue. You know, man. Yeah. Just, One of the points I make about COVID um, is that uh, you have. Uh, about 200 governments on this planet, and then you've got the 50 U.S. states. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, uh, all these governments, about 250 governments in that group I just named, um, they, they all have different policies about how to handle COVID. And a lot of them, their policies are contradictory. One, sure. one you know, one, uh, one state is doing it one way, and it's the exact opposite of what some other state is doing. And they all claim they're acting on the science. They're following the, the scientific data. Well, come on. Is there 250 different kinds of science? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, just the simple fact that they have varying approaches uh, shows they don't know what they're doing. And it's, most importantly, it's not based on science. No, it's not. Uh, our governor here, uh, Abbott, he's... Uh, He's passed an EO, and now they're doing laws right in Texas. Uh, they can't do vaccine mandates. Can't do it anywhere. Uh, yeah. Mm. And DeSantis in Florida the same way. Uh, yeah. And But, of course, everybody's moving here because that's where they want to be, into a more free state. So you should come, too. And <laughs> everybody else is coming here. Elon Musk is coming here. Well, one of the people that works for me has gone to Texas. Uh, really? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Don't what do you, blame him. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Well, what, what do you think about, I just have this theory that, do you think it's possible that we as a culture could just start our own nuke, secede and start our own little thing in Texas and Florida? I mean, it kind of looks like it, that's where it wants to go. Mm-hmm. You know, this place, Richard Mayberry is so swampy. I mean, they're never going to change these guys, are they? Do we just wait till they implode? You know, and yeah. then try to fix it, or do we just yeah. start our own? Well, you know, I don't know. I, um, I would really like to be optimistic about that. I think it would be a great idea, um, and that was the original idea. Each state was right. a different country, and right. it was a um, it was a kind of federation. Um, they call it the federal government, uh, but that's because it really was a federation of different of you know, several different countries. Yeah, they were each individual countries. And what you get if you have a situation like that is, let's say if you, you've got 50 different countries, then you have 50 different experiments going on about what works and what doesn't. And as long as people are allowed to go wherever they want to go to live, then they can pick all among yeah. these, these experiments. But what's, what's gone wrong is that, or one thing that's gone wrong, is that the federal government has consolidated its power over everybody to the extent that the states are not individual countries anymore. They are just, um, you know, whatever, slaves of the federal government. Mm. And, and so there's only one experiment going on, essentially, and that's the federal government. The federal government. Experiment. Yeah. And the 50 experiments is, are over, mostly. Uh, there's a little bit going on that's different, but mostly. And... And the federal government, you know, essentially just 
assumes that it has control over everything. And uh, so, you know, that's a really bad thing. And I, uh, so I think, uh, you know, in my heart, I really hope you're right, that it is going to go back to being what it was, mm-hmm. which is, would be 50 different countries. But um, you remember the last time that was tried. Yeah, that one didn't end well, did it? No, it didn't. That's Tell so, folks about what you're, what you're alluding to. Yeah, the Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, that was what it was about, right? I mean, yeah, the money and trade and uh, uh, what was it? Was it that, that I learned from one of your books? I, I think that uh, the the North didn't want the South to uh, go outside the country to get some of their goods, right? And they wanted to sell them. That was one of the things. Well, that that was going on. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a whole collection of things. Uh, people today in schools and colleges are taught that the Civil War was about slavery. Sure, right. and, and everybody points to the Pro- uh, Emancipation Proclamation of uh, eighteen sixty-three. And um, you know, have you ever read it? I mean, how many of these people who believe in it have actually read the Emancipation Proclamation? <laughs> because what the thing actually says is that the slaves in the area that Lincoln did not control are declared to be free. Mm-hmm. But in the, air, in the areas that he did control, they were not set free. That's what the Emancipation Proclamation says. But he he gets credit for ending slavery, and I, how many Americans died in that war? Like 600,000. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. Just yeah, just yeah. and uh, it, it really didn't have anything to do with slavery, uh, except, you know, Lincoln did admit that he hoped to um, free the slaves in the enemy territories as a war measure, as in order to wreck the southern economy. Yes. Now, he did it for that reason, and it worked to to a large extent, um, but as far as freeing the slaves because that was the right thing to do, I doubt that ever crossed his mind. <laughs> Didn't feel like it. And and isn't it fascinating? You talk about um, how important it is of what they do teach. So now they teach the kids it's about slavery mm-hmm. and that the 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 white guys are the problem, right? So mm-hmm. then what? 50 years later or 20 years later, we have this critical race theory, right? <laughs> teaching, yeah. teaching. you don't want to teach the kids now that the, the white guys were the problem. Yeah, if it wouldn't have been for us, boy, there wouldn't have been a civil war. <laughs> boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel sorry for kids coming out of the government-controlled yeah. schools today. I mean, they're, they're just deliberately made dummies. Um, they, they don't understand anything. And uh, or at least anything is true. Uh, and the government, the schools are just full of propaganda. They're propaganda mills, uh, and the colleges too, mostly. Uh, you, you very seldom um, meet a kid that really understands anything about this country. Hmm. Lots of uh, homeschoolers are being born, boy. Hmm. I've been reading some some stats and. Uh, you watch these people are going to try to stop some of the homeschoolers. <laughs> I said, no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You mean they're they're trying to? Well, there, there are places that are that are wanting to put more um, regulations on them, right? Oh. You got to do this. You got to do that. And you know, of course, you know, of course, of course. Yeah, we we can't allow anybody to be free in this country anymore because they might do something wrong. 
We're talking with Richard Mayberry. Richard is here uh, uh, once a month on the last Wednesday, and his early warning report is a great uh, uh, newsletter that we talk about and, and mention. We have it on our front page. And um, tell folks a little bit about, like in the October-November one, this is great. Um, you, you go through some of the different stocks or equities that are actually paying dividends, right? Yeah. You, you, you look at that. So you guys really look at stocks and equities that you recommend so people are just not throwing mud up against the wall. Right. Um, you, you know, you've got you, you, you to do something with your money that's earning income yeah. that has some chance of staying ahead of inflation. Mm. And so I offer uh, four stocks that are high-quality stocks. No, look, three stocks. And then I also mentioned you might consider the Treasury's uh, inflation protection. Oh, the tips. Yeah, the tips. Yeah. I don't like them very much because they're indexed to the Consumer Price Index, which is a lie. <laughs> uh, <so>. <laughs> Come <laughs> but, on now. They wouldn't lie to us. Now. Uh, really? Really? <laughs> the uh, government lies? Gosh. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm just shocked. Um, yeah. But anyhow... Uh, the three stocks that I recommend that have um, good incomes um, are uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance, mm-hmm. and symbol is WBA, and Medical Properties Trust, which is MPW, w. and Valero Energy, which is VLO. Um, these are all good companies, and they have nice yields uh, way, way past what you can get in a bank. Um, and uh, they're, you know, old com- companies, well-established. Uh, it's not to say that they're risk-free, because nothing is risk-free. Mm, yeah. Uh, so. do, all country, do all companies pay dividends? Like, if you buy Apple and Googles and, and all of that, do they pay dividends? No. no. Uh, there's lots and lots and thousands of companies that don't pay dividends. Um, and... Uh, uh, I th- I think you know paying dividends is is a sign of class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's a company that is rewarding you for investing your capital, for trusting them, and they're trying to keep you happy. Mm. When, when a company's not paying dividends, uh, that raises an eyebrow to me all the time, uh, because well, among other things, if uh, if they're not paying dividends, then then are are they exactly breaking even? No, that's not possible to do. So mm-hmm. they're probably uh, you know they're they're using all that money, and there's not any left for dividends. Yes, sir. Uh, when if the market would take a big hit in the next six months or a year or something, which I guess it could if people get scared and who knows, right? Would these companies, Richard Mayberry, that are taking dividends? And the kind of companies that maybe Buffett or something invests in. I don't know. I may be off track with Buffett. But doesn't he look at really solid companies as well? Um, do they, would they withstand a big hit more um, than the others? Their market price um, probably would not. Huh. Um, if, you're, you know, if we're talking big hit here, I assume. Like, say, 10 or 20%. Yeah, okay. Uh, they would probably be affected, and um, their market price would be. That doesn't mean the company will be. The, the stock is not the same thing as the company. 
the company may just keep humming right along mm-hmm. and make profits and everything's wonderful. It's just that the value of the stock dropped because people are afraid. Yeah. They, they'd rather have cash than stock, uh, which is a logical thing to do in some cases. Uh, it's just yeah, the one thing you got to understand is that an economic system is the result of its legal system. And you cannot have a stable economy or a stable financial system or a stable investment portfolio of your own if you have a legal system that's always changing, which the American legal system is. The government is forever changing the rules of the game. It's just like when you're investing, it's like playing in a baseball game where somebody's changing the rules every five minutes. And so you've got to be on your toes. You've got to have a broker or a financial advisor who's watching things for you day to day, mm-hmm. in front of that screen eight hours a day, watching what's happening to your money, because the government is going to stir things up. They're going to screw things up. There, these, these laws that they pass... Have, have no relationship to what's really happening in the world or what human beings really need. It's all, all about buying votes for the next election. Yeah. So um, governments make the economy more and more unstable all the time, which makes all of the investments more and more un- unstable all the time, including your bank account. You know, you might have a CD in a bank or even a checking account. The money that's in those accounts is changing value. It's falling. So those kinds of, of uh, investments are sure losers. So you, you don't have any kind of stability. There used to be a day, you know, like 100 years ago, when America was pretty much at its, at its peak uh, in, in terms of economic rate of economic advancements and all. And, and the government didn't interfere in much of anything. And in those days, all you needed to know was gold-backed bonds. You could walk into a brokerage or a bank and say, I want to take my savings and put them in gold-backed bonds. And that's all you needed to know. And, and you were going to do well because the dollar was not being inflated and it was actually increasing in value. And it was backed by, by gold and you could just sit on your gold-backed bonds and earn the income from the bond as well as about a, a percent per year just from the fact that the dollar was becoming more valuable. Wow. And what year was that around? Oh, about 100 years ago. Yeah, well, it was a fairy tale, right? You're just telling fairy tales again. No, I'm not. <laughs> it, was, it was that way. Oh, no, I know. But it sounds like a fairy tale today, right? With gold yeah, it back, really does. Gold-backed yeah. money. So, oh, you remember gold-backed money? What was that? <laughs> Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and it was the reason the dollar was becoming more valuable is it was backed by gold. Wow. You this know. seems amazing to think about that, doesn't it? To have a bond backed by gold. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Man. Yeah, here's a, this is a great email that fits right in to where we're uh, at right now with Richard Mayberry on August 27th. He's here on the last Wednesday from Mary. She is in Seattle up there in uh, uh, the Northwest, and she wants to know, so many people talk about buying gold and silver to hedge against inflation. Patrick has talked about it on some of his shows. 
can you ask your guest what he thinks is the best way to do that? Um, yeah, good question. Okay, there's a lot of ideas that we got. Uh, talk about that a little bit. So, okay. it, is it a reasonable thing to say gold, silver, or hedges against inflation? Is that a reasonable statement? I, I, you know, I always wonder about the definition of the word hedge. Hedge, it's yeah. It's used yeah. a lot, but it's not too precise. Mm-hmm. Um, I view those metals m- mostly as insurance. Uh, they tend to rise faster than um, prices rise, mm-hmm. general price level, because uh, they've been valuable for thousands of years, and people trust that they aren't going to be worthless. You can't say that about any other financial mm-hmm. instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, they may fall, but they won't be worthless. And almost all currencies have eventually fallen and become worthless. So uh, there is, you know, as inflation gets worse, people uh, try to uh, move to gold and silver. And this is around the world. This isn't just the United States. Right. It's been this way. Uh, silver has been valuable for about 26 centuries. And gold mm. has been valuable for about 60 centuries. Wow. And, um, you know, so it's, in my mind, you should always have at least 10%, let's say 10 to 20% of your your uh, assets in gold and silver. And I, I recommend platinum, too. Actually, at this time, I think platinum's probably the best buy. Really? Uh, yeah. I and you, rec- you get that with the platinum coins? Just platinum yeah, coins? Yeah, there are, there are platinum coins. Actually, um, I, I would recommend any gold, silver, or platinum coins minted by either the Canadian Mint or the U.S. Mint. Mm-hmm. Um, those tend to be of very high quality, and they are ones that Americans will, uh, will uh, recognize. Recognize, like things really get silly, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. They'll look at that, and they'll believe <laughs> that it's gold or silver or platinum. Uh, whereas if you show them a Kruger and let's say they may not uh, want that. So I think you, you know, most, at least most of your, your uh, precious metals should be in the form of gold, silver, and platinum coins mm-hmm. minted by uh, either the Canadian mint or the U.S. mint. And you can just go to any coin dealer. Uh, in fact, I, I, I always suggest you, know, you go to at least three so you get comparative pricing, and you know you're somewhere in the ballpark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the, so numismatics, um, like the company we work with, uh, U.S. Coin Capital, the uh, crew, um, uh, um, the, the uh, where they have the the collector value because of when they were minted. Those are more long term, right? More just kind of buy and hold kind of things, like St. Gaudens and those kind of things. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the bullion coins. You were talking way. about bullion coins before, right? Right, bullion. right. And the numismatic coins. Uh, Do you like those too? Do you? Electric coins. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, once you have your bullion coins, and if you want to diversify some, I think that's a good way to diversify. I'm not saying, you know, put all of your savings in them or anything, but mm-hmm. it's, it's one diversification that to me makes sense because, um, you know, coins have been collected. Uh, since at least the days of the Roman Empire. Wow. So they got a long history, and you will find that practically every highly wealthy person, if you really could mm-hmm. tell what, what they own, they all own some numismatic coins. 
Uh, it's just that they those coins, the supply is absolutely limited. They're not making any more of them, and uh, so they tend to rise in value. But it's it is a long term play. Um, you have to buy them and assume that you're going to have them for decades because they're going to probably bounce around a lot. Uh, and you, you know, just one of those things, you buy it and put it away, and uh, you know you uh, pat yourself on the back for being far-sighted. Yeah. Uh, um, and again, the bullion coins are that way, too. They should be the first thing you get into uh, because uh, the metals themselves are, are uh, so dependent dependably valuable which almost nothing else is uh even real estate there have been cases where real estate has become worthless um and uh that's not the case with the precious metals and so but you uh, another email and this is from Rhonda. uh is it safe to have your money in the banks thanks for the show um yeah that's that's interesting i mean we've heard people that say that there could be uh times when the banks can actually come in and uh, help you pay for their misdoings. <laughs> what do they call, isn't, isn't there yeah. a word for that? What do they call that? Uh, there is a word for that. Uh, stealing, I think it's yeah. called. <laughs> I think it's called stealing. But is it, it's true, isn't it, Richard Mayberry, that when we put our money in the bank, we're really loaning it to them. It's their money, isn't it? I mean, they can take it when they want, um, in theory. Well, the, the bank... Um, right, when you depose your money, aren't you depositing it? Aren't you actually lending it to the bank? Yes, you are. You're, you're, that's your money. You're loaning the money to the bank, just like if you loaned it to your neighbor to buy a car or something. Yeah. You're, you're loaning it to the bank, and the bank is going to invest it in something and hopefully earn an income from that and then pay you interest on your money. That's the idea, right? That's the right. idea. Right. Uh, but... Um, um, you have the fact that putting it in the bank means the government knows what you have and where you have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Because <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> they're going to come and get it, you know, or they're yeah. going to try, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, they undoubtedly are going to try. They're going to try. They're so broke, man. They got to <laughs> steal a lot more from somebody. Come on, 30, 35 trillion in debt. That's nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. Unbelievable, isn't it? It is. I'm mean, what a mess. So, so, so on the bank thing, is it safe there? I guess. I guess what she's asking is it safe? Well, there? there's no such thing as safe. No. Um, um, people throw that word around too much. I think mm -hmm. there's no safety. There, there are some things that are safer that, than others mm -hmm. at at certain times, but the times change. And so the, the only thing that comes close to safety is diversification. Mm -hmm. um, you want to own, you know, um, real estate, precious metals, uh, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. You just want to be very well diversified so that nothing is going to get hit hard at any given moment. Yes, sir. Or, or that, you know, you always have something that's not being hit hard at some time uh, one thing's going up the other one's going down it's a frustrating thing because you have to to watch um, your your portfolio uh, bounce around and that scares people uh, understandably but it's the world you live in it's the, the only thing you can do and what you will find if you were to 
you know, as far as we know, if you were to study the the fortunes of um, the Kennedys and uh, the Rothschilds, mm-hmm. um, you know, are the big names of the big fortunes, what you will find um, is that any of them that go back centuries have a family tradition of diversification. And there will be at least one person in that family who is in charge of the money and making sure that it stays well diversified so that no matter what happens, a depression, a war, a plague, whatever, no matter what happens, some of that portfolio is rising while other parts are falling. Mm -hmm. How diversified... Diversification. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Richard Mayberry is with us. Uh, Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network dot com. Um, so, with all of this new m- money that's come being printed, mm-hmm. um, there must be places where it's it's being put. To what you call malinvestments, mm-hmm. right? Uh, put where it shouldn't be if there wasn't new money. Right. Right. It wouldn't be happening. Is there a way that we can benefit from that, looking at these things? Can we benefit from no- this knowledge that you write about? Yeah, um, um, that's uh, explained. Uh, I mean, the, the economic process that's going on that you have to understand uh, is explained in, in that uh, October Yeah, that's why I thought yeah. about it, yeah. Right. Um, very quickly, um, the federal... Re- the Federal Reserve uh, creates dollars, um, and then um, the the government. You know, this is really abbreviated here. The government um, spends those dollars or injects them into a, the economy in some way through the banking system or whatever. And you know, we are taught in college that the money just descends on the economy in a uniform blanket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It goes into specific areas. Some people get a lot, some people get less, and some people get none at all. And you know, where a lot of the money winds up becomes hot spots. And you have hot spots develop all over the country mm-hmm. where there just happens to be a whole lot of this newly created money um, pouring in that area. Yeah. Then businesses move in there uh, because they want to take advantage of this flow of money, and um, they stay there, and it, it, everything goes along fine until the Federal Reserve stops making the money for a while or slows it down, and then there's not enough money flowing in there to keep those businesses alive, and they start to go under. So you have, in, a, in effect, what I call the dancing cones of money they're being you know there's money being poured in and it comes into a given area and it spreads out from there so you have a cone type effect and what you have to do with your money is follow the dancing cones because they're not stable they move all over the country uh, one of the ways to do that is to have your own business and to sell something uh, uh, by mail by where you ship things to people uh, by FedEx or UPS or something um, you can use the internet, you know, to make the sales, that sort of things. You can reach out to those cones. You can actually look at statistics and find out which area is a hot spot. Or I should say which areas. Mm-hmm. There, there will probably be hundreds at any given time. And, and you should aim your marketing at those hot spots. If you can't do that, 
if you are just stuck being somebody's employee, let's say, uh, and you can't reach out to those cones, maybe you can work for a company that does have the ability to do that. So you want to think always in terms, you know, when you're thinking about your financial future uh, of your career, anything has got to do with money, you've got to be thinking in terms of those dancing cones. You want to be in a position to follow the dancing cones in some way. You'll get a better understanding of it from that uh, October issue. Yes, sir, the October-November issue. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about, too, all this new money, and if you look at the, um, say, the market cap of Bitcoin, a thousand, trillion, right? Yeah. Trillion dollar, Ethereum, uh, half a trillion. Um, so you could almost argue that without the, the crypto soaking up some of this new money, the inflation would be worse. No? Uh, Maybe? Am, I stretch, <laughs> am, I, am I stretching here or something? Doing too much yoga or what? No. <laughs> I'd have to think about that. Okay. I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, I was just trying to paint a good picture for the crypto thing. Here. Well, <laughs> what happens is that, you know, when the, the Fed injects the money into the economy, uh, it goes in in these cones in various locations, but it doesn't stay there because those people spend the money. Right. And it, it spreads out through the rest of the country. Um, and that's what's going on with, uh, with the, the crypto currencies uh, the money goes into those hot spots and um in fact i think that's exactly what's going on with those that's why they exist oh because they are a hot spot yeah right they okay. are a hot spot so i was close but just no cigar there yeah <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah so the people who are mm-hmm. um, acquiring profits from uh, mm-hmm. the rise in these things yeah uh, they go they spend the money yeah and it goes somewhere, that money goes somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Did you see last week, uh, Thursday and Friday, I was kind of following it, uh, Donald Trump uh, did a SPAC, which is some kind of a, that's a, just a SPAC, Richard yeah. Mayer, where they just raise money, right? Because yeah. he's going to do a media thing. He's mm-hmm. a smart guy. He's not, you know, didn't fall yeah. off the turnip truck. He, yeah. he made $4.8 billion on Friday. He had a good day. You kidding me? Four point eight billion. It was one of the uh, under Tesla. It was the most traded uh, SPAC uh, in the history of the planet. Oh yeah, oh yeah, baby. CNN. They're having meetings right now, saying, "Uh oh, what are we gonna do?" Yeah. Well, you know that that's a, that's a perfect example of what it's like to be in an inflationary condition. The um, when you have the government. Any government in any country pumping money into the economy, yes, sir. the way it's happening here, it goes someplace, and and that someplace is going to be a hot spot. And what Trump is doing right there is grabbing up a whole bunch of that newly created money and uh, taking advantage of this crazy insane. Yeah, system. yeah, yeah. He's going to have some fun. He's going to do a. a um, he's going to start, I think, with a uh, social media platform called Truth. And then he's going to start his own uh, TV channel and the whole thing, you know. Probably, probably films as well. Probably media. You know? huh. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't think so. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. So I don't know about these 100 million people that are just still feeling a bit not under the weather with, uh, you know, these people in the White House just doing these crazy things. What are going to, what's going to happen to these folks? Are they just sitting around? I mean, have you heard anything? 
around the campfire? Um, you mean in regards to... to uh, the 100 million people that, that thought they got cheated out of an election and uh, like Donald Trump, you know? Uh, um, I, I think uh, America has been split um, yeah. more drastically than at any time since the Civil War. Really? And yeah, I think you've got two types of Americans now, and it's and it's a very clear dividing line. I think. Yes, sir. It's one type fears and hates the government, and the other type loves the government and wants wants more of it. Hmm. And and I think there is something akin to a civil war developing. I don't know. I, I mean the men- the mentality. The mentality, not necessarily the the violence. Although, I mean, you know, the the people that love and trust the government, um, <laughs> they're they're clearly the least of the leaders are clearly planning on robbing the other side. <laughs> um, Good, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's there's nothing more clear than that, um, and that's what all of this trillions of dollars of spending is about. Mm. It's trillions of dollars of taxes. Yes. You know, they're going to pay for it that way or by printing the money, um, which is actually a hidden tax because the value that your money loses is a tax on you. Is a tax. Yeah. And and, and then now, of course, what they say that um, that they're going to then tax the billionaires that's going to pay for this $3 trillion deal, right? Yeah, you wonder how many billionaires do you think there are. I mean, it's this is insane. <laughs> What's what's happening? And in fact, the Wall Street Journal yesterday had a very good uh, letter to the editor, I think, about this. That what the the Democrats are doing in Congress. Um, I'm not talking about the Democrat walking down the street, sure. your best yeah. friend, or anything. I'm talking about those crooks in Congress. What they're doing is is pointing to the billionaires and saying they're going to rob the billionaires and spread the money out among the rest of us. Well, um, what they're what we're, what they're actually going to well, where where was I going with that? Rats. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. When you get to be 75 years That's old. That's all right. You know, sometimes don't, you know, don't, don't worry yeah. about it. So, uh, on the billionaires, let's see, what could you have been going? Well, we'll just let that one go. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Go okay. They, they give the impression that there's enough billionaires to make it. You're right. Of you, know, you, could, you could rob all the billionaires in, in the world, and you'd hardly make a dent in the federal debt. Um, it would be unnoticeable. But what, oh yeah, I got it. <laughs> it came back. What the the letter in the journal was saying is that the uh, and pointing it out very clear, very very well done and and very true that the typical voter doesn't differentiate between people who are high income, um, people who are affluent, and people who are billionaires. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, a guy who's making uh, whatever three hundred thousand a year is going to wind up being taxed the way the billionaire will be. Now, not immediately. They will slip it. The, the, the precedent will be slipped in, and then they'll just keep expanding it, exactly the way they did with the income tax. They talked the population into, an, into accepting an income tax back about 100 years ago because... 
they told the population it would only apply to rich people. Is that what they said? Oh, I thought it was for the war. They they sold us on the idea it was for World War Two, no? Yeah, hmm. but um, they. Um, but they said it was but, only going to be for rich people. Yeah, uh, it was actually World War World War was I. Was it World War One? Yes, and and yeah, that was they wanted to pay for the war. They wanted to get into the war. There was absolutely no reason to get into the war, but you know the power junkies wanted to get into the war, and that meant they had to pay for it. And so they came up with the income tax, and uh, they sold it to the population by saying, don't worry, the ordinary person won't have to pay anything. Don't it worry. will only be levied on the rich, you right. know, the rich, the evil rich. No, you know? the rich guys. Yeah, right. And so you know what happened. I know what happened there. Yeah. Oh, it looks like a little good news this morning. You know, the Senator Manchin, he seems to be a pretty reasonable guy, keeping a lot of these things from getting passed. Uh, they dropped this uh, IRS thing for under $10,000. Wow. They've taken it out of the $1.5 trillion package. Mm. Yeah. Cause, so they got two packages now, the $1.5 trillion, <laughs> and then there's a $3.5 trillion. So that, you know, let me do the math here. Back in the envelope, let's see, $1.53. That's five, yeah, that's five. Yeah. You know, an interesting observation <laughs> I've made is that if you go back about 15 years, you will find that the only people who used the word trillion were astronomers. Astronomers, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. And now we throw it around like nothing. It's just, yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, those 12 zeros? We got that. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. We got, we, got, we got 12 zeros. Well, well, here we are. So you're in California, mm. and you have a little, you got a little mini farm going for you there? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. And you, you, you were telling me that you're actually having some challenges, even getting parts for things, because they're out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, what's interesting, um, and the October issue uh, talks about this, um, there was an article written in Industry Week uh, back in April and uh, by a guy who is an expert on China, mm -hmm. and he said, you know, look out, this feud between Washington and Beijing is getting hotter and hotter, and one thing the Chinese government is going to do to get back at Washington is create artificial shortages in the United States. Huh. Now, this guy wrote that in April, and by gosh, he just hit the nail on yep. the head. He was absolutely right. Now, that's not the only reason. No, there's so, other reasons as, to yeah. as well, right? Right, but that's kind of the beginning of it that triggered it off is the Chinese starting to cut back. They just de deprioritized shipments to the United States, used the ships to go elsewhere, but not to the U.S. And then, as you know, your wonderful governor, uh, Mussolini, we call him, we call him Mussolini, yeah. uh, <laughs> he, he, he passed some kind of thing a couple of years ago with the truckers, wanted them to have so many different things for their trucks and, uh, you know, energy, this and that. And the truckers are just not having it in California. And there's just all kinds of containers, thousands sitting on Long Beach right now that they won't pick up. Yep, right. So that's adding to it as well. Yeah. And why we should have invested in toilet paper six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. The more socialism you have, Man. Uh, the more chaos. You the have. more control, right? The more they try to control things, Richard Mayberry, to make things just right, right? Even. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Got to make it just right. Even. Okay. There you go. Well, what are you going to do? Richard Mayberry, it's always an honor to have you here. I know you got to go back to work. 
And yeah. the uh, our October, November guy is out now, and then you the December will come out. Um, when's that coming? November. End of November. Yeah, the yeah. December issue. Right. Well, it's an always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being Thanks. here. Say, my west, my best, your wife. You still all, you, you both still have lunch every day. And, um, yeah, we do. Absolutely. Did, yeah, we, it's uh, it's enjoyable. It's a real routine. And I, I, let me say again, uh, Patrick, it, it, I'm so glad that you're there because somebody's got to be giving people uh, alternative view to the socialist mainstream media and uh, you do a great job of that and thank you very well, much well my pleasure we do what we can here sir mm-hmm. you take care and we're going to see you in a month alright very good I'll look forward to thank it you. Thank, thank you take care of yourself Patrick. Richard Mayberry Bye-bye. early warning report again uh, if you'd like to uh, uh, get his uh, newsletter oh I can put up the well we have it on sale we got a special deal he's a good guy I think you're going to enjoy it it's not a lot of money, and it's going to be something that um, uh, I think you're going to benefit from just having it around the house once a month or so. He does 10 issues. It's the Early Warning Report, and if you click on it on the front page of One Radio Network, I think you'll get the uh, the whole uh, year for, I think it's $179 special for One Radio Network. So it's a great deal. It'll be the best $179 you are going to spend, give you a chance to uh, to really get a different perspective. Uh, he looks at it, as you can hear, from a, a more geopolitical uh, idea and, um, you know, gives you just more, a little, one more tool in the tool shed because there's, there's not a lot of people out there that you can trust, but uh, you can hear him. He, he knows what he's talking about. So, that'd be a good thing for you to do. Thanks for your ongoing support. We didn't do any commercials today because I was just too lazy to do them, but we have a lot of great lot of great products uh, we have this on sale the bio superfood this is great use promo code one radio it's a wonderful product uh, we're going to be streaming the video that we did with uh, with Roland um, what do you see and you when you hear how this is made forget about it it's uh, in Russia and it, they go 2,000 feet and get this uh, volcanic water with the microalgae, four microalgaes, and it's in a bioreactor, so you have no exposure to the air. Very, very powerful, and there's just like three, 300 components in one of these little guys of different uh, nutrients and amino acids and vitamins and minerals, and it's really good. So this is a new one, and uh, it's right on the front page. Use promo code 1RADIO. Get yourself a bottle, and uh, you'll feel this. You can feel this stuff, which is pretty cool. And then the other one is, oh, I think we have a few more days of colostrum and the digestive bitters on sale with Sithrival. So you got that. Okay. All right, I'm going to take the day off tomorrow. We're going to work on the screenplay, uh, honing in on the final, well, final, whatever that means, right? But, uh, you know, more work on the screenplay. We're always rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. Just keep rewriting until we're done. But then I will see you on Friday. We're going to have a good time. I have lots to talk about. So I love you all very much. Thank you for your ongoing support. We really appreciate it. And uh, may the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.